Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Welcome back, guys, to the Agent Investor Podcast. This is going to be a completely different type of episode than I've ever done before. Uh, typically, we have you know one guest. We're talking about their stories. We're talking about tactics and strategies, and and even in the Agent Investor Facebook group, which if you guys are not a part of, make sure you go to www.agentinvestor.com to make sure you're a part of the group. We do training every week on you know how to do things, how to do deals, how to make money, how to put deals together, and you know be successful as an investor. But we don't oftentimes highlight, you know, the reality of it. And I know for me, before I ever did my first deal, no matter what training session I was on, no matter what, you know, room I was in or who I talked to, there was like a little bit of a lack of belief that this kind of stuff happened. So I have uh, two guys that have been with me at my brokerage um, for four or five years that actually just did two deals together. And I'm going to focus on letting them tell the story, but it's kind of funny because they actually wholesale deals to each other, uh, both for for different reasons and to really further their own personal um, investing needs. But we're going to talk about that today and why they sold them to each other. And I, I had it as a highlight for today, the deal of a lifetime. And it's funny because I think probably more for Tyler than for Jason. This was probably his best deal ever. And probably I think that he beat my all-time wholesaling record, which, you know, got to give him a lot of kudos there. So before we jump into the specific deal, um, I'm going to go top to bottom. Tyler, you're at the top. Jay, you're at the bottom. Can you guys just give like a really brief like background about, you know, when you started with the company, why you started with the company, and when you started investing, uh, Tyler, if you can just go first. Yeah, so I started, I got my real estate license in 2016. Um, I was 19 years old. And I had, so from 2016 to 2017, I wasn't at Cameron. I was at a, a mom and pop brokerage. And I realized, and I had all of the hustle that you could need to be successful. I was just young. I was naive. I didn't know what I was doing. I was nervous and I was scared, but that, that fueled me to kind of, you know, be who I am today. So after a year, I started poking around. Tom is probably in everyone's emails. So I was getting those to them. And I just went up, I tried to wholesale a deal to Tom. And then it ended up turning into a conversation. And I figured out that Cameron and the brokerage that he offered gave all the tools that I ever wanted. And I could, I didn't have to come out of pocket to do so. So I joined, I still think I'm the only one that joined without being recruited, but <laughs> <laughs> I knew yeah, I needed well, to be. Hold on. I think everybody that I've recruited has come the same way, which is like, 
a conversation because I don't do a lot of like calling on people just to call on them. But but when I see somebody that actually would definitely make more money here because of the systems that we have, it's kind of like a no brainer. And even though I make money when people come, it's like, you know, I want other people to make money, too. Um, so how old were you when you joined and then how old do you now? I was 20 years old when I joined Cameron turning 21 and I'm 26 now. Awesome. And, um, you've done a lot. And for those that want to learn specifically about what Tyler's done, um, I don't want to make this all about him because he's already been on the podcast last month and we definitely don't need his ego to get any bigger. And we're going to talk about this huge deal that he just did. So if you want to learn more about Tyler, you can go on one of our podcast episodes that we shot maybe a month ago. All right. And Jay, can you kind of do the same thing? You know, like, you know, how you came to the brokerage and found out about us and, you know, what you're working on and things like that. Sure. Um, so I originally got licensed many years ago, 2001. And uh, was at many different brokerages. I was at Keller Williams when I was on a small team and um, the whole team was making a move and we came in, met with the recruiter at the time. I didn't even know you. Uh, so I got basically recruited from my team at Keller Williams. That was around 2017. I was about oh, 39, 40, mm-hmm. and I'm 45 today. So I've been with the brokerage, what, about five years? Yep. Yeah, you just sent me a picture from five years ago. Yeah. Last night, right? Yep. Yep. And it was like, it was like, where's the time go? Time, time flies, right? It's weird because like in some ways it feels like 20 years ago and then some ways it feels like it was two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So both of you guys, I mean, Tyler, you probably came in more specifically to be an investor, but you did a lot of stuff on the agent side once you got involved and Jay, you came in more. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but more as an agent that does some investing and then you kind of went more towards the investing side kind of as time went on. And um, both of these guys have had phenomenal success, again, both as agents, both as investors. The title of my email that I sent out to everybody was the definition of an agent investor, because that's really what both of these guys are. They use both tools. They do both things. I don't even know which of the two they would consider themselves. I mean, I would consider them both agent investors. I wouldn't really consider one, them one or the other because they're both capping agents. They make you know well over six figures as an agent. And then they've got rental properties, they flip homes, et cetera. And um, you know, one of the things that that we teach on, and both of these guys have been on a bunch of my seller appointments. So our company spends a bunch of money on marketing. Um, we generate seller appointments and we obviously need people to go out, meet with the sellers, negotiate on our behalf and try to buy homes. And both of these guys were, were very, very good at that. Um, at some point along the way, they both decided, hey, if I can you know, close these deals on my own, I should probably start generating these leads. And the story we're going to tell today is how they've worked on you know, two deals together within the last month and both made you know, a bunch of money doing so, well over six figures doing it. But all along that line, you know, they say they've both been here for about five years. They've both done an accumulation of rentals. They've both done flipping and they've both been an agent, which is really, in my opinion, all of the agent investor concepts kind of put together. But um, 
I do want to fast forward to this specific deal because I want to highlight this specific deal just so people can see kind of how things come together. And correct me if I'm wrong, but both of you did this deal with no money, right? Both of you assigned or wholesaled the deal and never put up any of your own money, correct? $500. $500 for you. And, and what about you, Jay? Uh, marketing expenses and I forget what the deposit was. Tyler might know. Maybe 1000 Yeah, but I'm, I mean, you can count marketing expenses and you probably should. But you didn't have to come up with like 50 grand to buy this house. No, right? not at all. Not at all. Okay. And I, I always stop at the no money down part. And we're going to talk about exactly how you, you guys did it. And anybody who has questions, please type them into the chat section. I am following along um, as we're having this conversation. But I always pause when there's a no money down type of thing. It's not that every deal that I do or Tyler does or Jay does involve no money, but we do a lot of deals with no money. And these are two examples that they've done together of deals where they put up uh, Tyler 500, Jay, maybe a thousand just for the de- just for the deposit to bind the contract. And then they turned around and sold it to each other for, for well over six figures. So what deal happened first? It was the deal... Jay, that you sold to Tyler, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, if I can just add, I really think like this is like a true win-win for where we're at, mm. you know, for Tyler and for um, and my partner and uh, Mike and I. Um, so the first deal, um, it's a three family located in Lynn. And um, we were in the process of doing that. We've located the seller through a mail, a mailer. Um, first appointment, we went out and we signed it up. You know, there was a lot of challenges over there as now Tyler is, is in the deal. So he's cleaning it up. And, um, we, we basically in the process of that deal, Tyler had touched base with us about what he had. And we kind of made an agreement to like, let's, this makes sense. Let's work together. And we basically, what we actually. No, we actually assigned each other the deal. Well, let's back up for a second. So in terms of like generating the opportunity, you went on a face-to-face seller appointment. What what, was it a mailer? Was it a PPC? Was it a cold call text? Like, how did you actually get that seller appointment for that three family in Lynn, Massachusetts? It was the simplest mailer. It was a very simple mailer that said, we'll buy your house as is, no commissions. Very simple. Um, He called us, you know, Quite frankly, I mean, you do a lot of mailing. He, I, I don't know if he, you know, Mike, my partner, his name on, on the mailer. I don't know if he thought it was us, you. We got a bunch of mail. He called. Um, and it's just like we, we were talking the other day. It's just about timing and who they call on that mailer. So we talked about this before we even jumped on, which is that a lot of people will say, well, you know, how can I compete with this person or that person? And what you're saying, which is which is totally true, is like they may have had my mailer. I think you said they even did, or maybe you thought that they did. They brought a bunch of mailers to the closing and I did see, yeah, they had ours, yours, and maybe another one. Yeah. And and I don't know the answer to this because I, I didn't look into this, but I don't know if they called me. I don't know if they didn't call me. I don't know if we went on the appointment or we. I could f- find this out, but he may not have even called, right? So it's not even just like, comp- there's so many parts of the competing with somebody. It's like, when do they get the mailer? Are they ready at that particular moment? 
Maybe they get your mailer and they like how yours looks better or they like your name better. Maybe they got your mailer on a specific day that they were ready to take action. Maybe they called me first and I didn't pick up and then they called you. Maybe we met with them and didn't get back to them on time. So there's like, there's so many things that can kind of go on in a deal like this. So I, I can tell you that we were the first appointment because anyone who went on this appointment would have got this deal. Well, yeah, but, but even within that specific part of the mechanism, we may have booked the, let's just say I got the lead. Let's just say we booked the appointment. We may not have had anybody available that day. Maybe you got out there faster. Yeah. So obviously this isn't like necessarily a, a how do you convert investment leads conversation fully, but right. you went out on the appointment and how did, kind of, how did the appointment go? It was, it was really just rapport and discovering the challenges and what was going on there. And, you know, he, he was just an older guy that was over his head. He had multiple different things happening that were beyond his control that he couldn't handle. And um, tenants, mortgage type things. Um, and we just, we just brought a solution that made sense for him to make it really easy for him it was about, let me get out of this situation and, you know, get on with my life. And that was, that was basically it. We offered the right solution for him. And then we ultimately, we got it done. So as you signed that contract, did you already know that you wanted to assign or wholesale it? Because this is a three family in a city outside of greater Boston, you know, maybe 10 miles north of greater Boston has a ton of multifamilies, a good rental market. Um, so you had multiple things you could have done with it. You could have bought and hold it yourself. You could have assigned it to somebody. You could have bought it to flip. Did you know what your exit strategy was going to be when you signed it? Or did you just sign it and then kind of think about it later? What we knew is that we would have multiple options based on the numbers. And we didn't know exactly what we were going to do, but we knew we could assign it. We knew we could wholetail it. We knew we could keep, we, we knew this could be a good rental property. There was. This at property can fit a lot of, of the investment op options. And that's sure. another thing that like, you know, is common. I mean, not everything falls into that category, but essentially when you get a property, you know, below fair market value, that's a deal. It's like, you can do more than just one thing with it. There's a lot of different things sometimes that you can do. So you knew it, you knew it was a deal. You knew you can make... I mean, we always talk about this, right? We say the phrase, like, I knew I could make money on it. And that's like, that's the, that's the thing we always say. We're like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I know I can make money on it somehow. Um, so you had it locked up. Again, you gave them a $1,000 deposit. At our two-day event uh, a month ago, we had a lot of agents who have never done an investment deal, like, ask about that. Like, how do you, how do you get a deal locked up for 1000 And Tyler's deal, you got locked up for 500 so it was a, my deal was a hundred each oh, on five oh, properties. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And and you probably could have gave 50, but it would have seemed ridiculous. I could have given a dollar. Yeah. I mean, you, we want to bind them for without tying up any of our cash um, if we can. So you, you, you walked to the office or whatever, Jay, you knew you had a deal on your hands. You had multiple things that you could do with it. How did Tyler get involved? So, yeah, I had skipped ahead a little bit. So 
my partner and I were, you know, just getting ready to close as usual. Um, we were going to plan on closing on this deal that after a while we figured out, Hey, we'll close, we'll close on the deal. But also we would look at, Hey, if we can assign it for a certain amount, it might make sense to just do that. But so we were getting ready to close on the deal. Um, and then at some point, I believe Tyler got in touch with us about this portfolio and we got to talking and be like, well, we got this one, you got that one. And it ended up, you know, there was some work involved here, but it ended up being like, all right, here's the deal. We got a really great deal. You know, let's work together and we can, this one might make sense for you. And what he had, because we were, the thing was, is we were doing a 1031 exchange and we needed to buy a certain um, type of portfolio from where we were exchanging from. By the way, this all started, and this is a little bit outside of what we're talking about, but this all started with a single family flip we did in Lynn that went to a nine unit building in Salem. Then we sold that. Now we had a 1031, and this is the 1031 we went into with Tyler, which is a portfolio here, here in the arm. I think that's extremely relevant because you basically, you marketed for a flip. Like, you know, you didn't market to a single family in Lynn to buy and hold it, but you ended up turning that deal into a 1031. Um, and then, so how many units do you have now? With, like, how many did that one original unit turn into through the, the two, two, two 1031s that you did? Yeah. So it went from one rent, one unit rental to a nine unit rental to a 16 unit portfolio rental. In how, how long of a time period? Not that long. 2019 was the first one. And this is where, like, um, again, going back to, like, you know, the event that we had a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how, like, long-term passive income stuff isn't linear. And this is a perfect freaking example. Because literally, you started with one unit. One unit that you could have flipped, you turning into nine. You got nine, you turning into 16. You could hold the 16. And I'm not saying you're going to do this, but you could hold the 16 for a few years and then turn that into 50, right? Absolutely. And we actually have plans with this. I don't know if we want to get into that, but yeah, we are we are going to expand the amount of units from this. We're just going to keep expanding, of course. So again, like, because we're going fast and we're jumping around because, you know, um, you know, we know each other and things like that. But so Tyler, now your deal, because again, they basically traded wholesale deals. So Jay got a three family. Tyler got, you said it was five properties, 16 units, right, Tyler? Yes. Okay. So five units, 16. Now, why did you, why didn't you want the, the five properties, 16 units? And, and why did you want, why did you guys trade? I want I wanted the 16 units. That, okay. That wasn't out of the question. And I think I, I strung Mike and Jason along a little bit and it came down to the wire of their 1031. We ended up coming into an agreement. I think when you guys had like three days left on the 1031. Oh, Are you that's, that's, that's great. On. That's great. Since you guys have <laughs> both worked there for five years and your friends that you guys, you know, brought it down to the very last minute. It's, it's amazing though, right? Obviously, no matter what you have to, everyone has to do what's in their best interest, but it's like, it's so crazy. Cause like, even when you're negotiating with people, you know, it's, it's like the same thing still. 
And it's like, oh. it's like, I like, I really like Tyler, you know, but when you're in business, you're like, sometimes you're like, I don't, I, I hope this doesn't like, you know, change anything with the relationship. And I think I've been able to help Tyler over the years with some of the strategies and, and going back to like, you said, Hey, you decided to do this yourself. Cause you were going on appointments. Um, I tell the story quite a bit. We were at an event one time and you said to me, you should do it. You said you should do this because you know that you can go out on these appointments and close them. When I started doing this myself, I had not, I did not know I could do that. And it took me one year to actually start marketing. And, um, but it's, it's just amazing how this all, all came together. So, um, how do you lock the customer during the appointment? Um, talking about how you make them feel comfortable knowing you'll be able to sell the property for more than whatever they are agreeing to today. I mean, I, I can answer that one. I mean, I think, I think the answer with Jay was like, he was going to close on it. And there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of go about doing this stuff. And, and that would be almost like a whole class in and of itself. But I can tell you that like, when I go into an appointment or I send somebody on an appointment for me, I'm prepared to close um, in all cases because I, I am not, and, and different people have different thoughts about this, but I don't like to put a property under contract where I'm like, oh, maybe I can assign or wholesale it to somebody else. A lot of people do that, but I go into it, like Jay went into that deal, that three family in Lynn, that he was going to close it. And he just happened to end up wholesaling it in the end. In terms of making the seller comfortable, you know, I think if you know that you're going to close on it, you're in good shape. But for people that are in the inner circle, one way that you can get that comfort is if you're in the inner circle, we will give you the offer that we would make. And if you go out there and you get that property under contract for the amount that we would pay, you know that we're going to close on it. So I think that question kind of stems from, somebody that may not be able to close on a property, maybe they don't have the capital. If you're in the inner circle and uh, Chris, I think you're at Cameron, your name sounds really familiar. I'm pretty sure you're at our brokerage. So you're automatically in the inner circle. If you go out to a property, you can feel very comfortable because we're going to give you our number. And if you want, you can do whatever you want with it. If it's your lead, you can assign it to us or you can close on it yourself or you can assign it to somebody else. This is something that um, it, it's a strategy that a lot of people use. But um, getting back to like the trade portion. So, so Tyler, you, you were thinking maybe you were going to do Haverhill. So what made you want to say, okay, I got these 16 units. Jay's got these three units. Like I do want to do the trade pretty much. So the weird thing is I if people know me, people know, like if I, once I get a deal signed, I'm like texting everyone. So I'm like, I get so excited and I'll text people. And it just so happened that Mike Weatherby was just on a podcast. So with Kyle Curtin. So I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking about, I, I, was, texting, <laughs> I was thinking about Mike because we were texting and I was just telling him all oh, that podcast was awesome. And I just shared because I just signed up the deal that I, I just got 16 units. And at the time, I think I said Lowell just to, I don't know why, but said Lowell. I know why. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, Jay, do you know why? Because Mike loves Lowell. Nope. That's definitely not why. 
hundred percent not why. Because Tyler thinks that people even though he had the contract lined up <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I know for a fact yeah. <laughs> Tom you are completely correct yeah but also the other thing is Mike just bought whatever in hate in Lowell a big unit so I kind of wanted to compare them yeah but, but, but that, was, was, that was that was like way down the totem pole yeah no place. Tom you're dead on <laughs> but so I I reached out to Mike and I told him about it and he, he was just like, he, it almost like he not went into a panic, but he was like, we have this 1031 exchange and it would be perfect. Like he really wanted to put the deal together. And I didn't really think about wholesaling it. To be honest, I, I really wanted to buy it. And they were doing the 1031 exchange. And then they said, we just signed something in Lynn. So I would that piqued my interest because I like Lynn more than Haverhill. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous about taking on 16 tenants because this was being sold occupied. Mm-hmm. So the Lynn house was being sold vacant, but it ended up being occupied. But I was also contemplating, do I want to like, do I want to take my first tenant experience on 16 units with tenants that I don't even know? And I was more scared about taking on a deal where there's so many tenants in place where this would be my first, you know, big buy and hold. So I was thinking in my head, I'm going to, I'll start with a three family. I'll start with a three family in Lynn and I'll try, you know, to expand my number of units in dealing with tenants because I didn't, I was scared to take on 16. And I know Mike and Jason, they have probably over 60 units combined. So dealing with tenants and property managers and, and all of that, I'm sure is, is not an issue to them, but it was a big fear for me. It was a huge fear was to take on 16 tenants. Hey everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. And there's there's a couple of, I think, key things here. And one of the things that when I first started investing, um, Jay, you're in Kent Clothier's program. And I heard Kent Clothier speak probably like 2012, 2013. And one thing he said was, I'm never afraid to share, you know, my, you know, details of my business with a competitor, because if, if they're doing less than what I'm doing, by the time that they implement what I'm doing, I'm going to be doing something different. 
like meaning like I'm going to be another level up doing something a little bit tiny bit different. And this is a pretty good example of that where you're, you know, one, two, three years ahead of Tyler with the rentals. And let's just say that both of you decided not to share the information with each other, even though Tyler kind of like didn't fully share it, but you shared it anyways. <laughs> um, the deal probably wouldn't have happened. And Tyler would have, Tyler would probably be realistically a little bit over his head right now. And Jay, you probably wouldn't even have held on to that three family. You couldn't have 1031 into that deal. Um, so, you know, obviously this is, you know, a good example where sharing information, you know, can can really work out. Then the other, the other thing um that I wanted to kind of like, you know, point out in general is people always think, oh, well, I'm in contact with a wholesaler, I'm in contact with somebody, I'm I I have an agent relationship. They'll reach out to me if they have a deal. And that sounds all well and good, but it's you've got to stay top of mind with people. Because like, for example, I didn't know about either of these deals until they were basically done. So you guys both know me very well. You guys both talk to me almost every day. I never knew about these deals. Like I didn't get an opportunity to buy these deals because I wasn't out there saying, hey, do you guys have anything? Do you guys have anything? So if you're trying to work with wholesalers or try to get deals, you always have to be out there like saying that you want people to bring you stuff. Because if you don't, a lot of times what happens is, is this where like two people are just talking and they put a deal together and then you kind of get left out. And I'm not saying I got left out because I wouldn't have even bought either of those deals. But like you guys could have brought either one of those deals to 10 other people, but you didn't. And it kind of worked out like in a happenstance way, which is interesting. Next, I want to talk a little bit about profits. I don't know if you guys feel comfortable talking profits. We can talk in, in code the way Tyler does, <laughs> or we can just kind of talk in like six figures. Um, why, don't we, why don't we talk in combined here? Okay. You know? I like that. And we'll, so, just say, we'll just say Tyler made more money on on the wholesale. Well, actually, I have a better way to explain it. Right? Tyler, because of how much money he made, is in Miami right now. If you guys look at his background, can you show your background for a second? So <laughs> so Tyler did so well on the deal that he's actually taking some time off, a few days off, and he's in Miami. And as you guys can see, he's pretty high up. Now Jay did a little bit worse. Now Jay, can you just show your background? I'm in now, I'm in the my office in Wakefield, but I, I'm I'm thinking about Aruba. And by the way, Mike that, is in a so that's that's my that's my point though. So you're thinking about going on vacation and Tyler's on vacation with the amount of money that he made. No, this oh. was this is two days. This was an impulse. <laughs> yeah. Well that's okay. You're celebrating your success. So um they they wholesale deals to each other. So what was the combined profit, Jay? I think it was pretty close to five hundred thousand dollars half a million dollars okay now i i always say this because because uh, you know when people come on these uh, obviously i'm not going to bring these guys on if they did a deal together and they made a combination of eight thousand dollars right i don't care how much i like them they're not coming on the show for eight and eight thousand dollar combined profit so this was a much better than average deal but again it's a half a million dollars for two deals between two people 
that are that know each other, that are in our brokerage, in the inner circle, just really because of the fact that they've implemented these agent investor strategies. And I talked about this at length at the event the other day, which is like um, half a million dollars, that's like two or three years worth of sales for most people, maybe four or five or six years worth of sales for most people. And it happened in one or two deals. All right, Tom, keep in mind that this is just the wholesale fee. Oh, yes. Yes. I know. I I left that out. So go ahead. Make that point. So this is just the wholesale fee. There's huge equity in both of these deals for Tyler and us. And, And I mean, it makes... I mean, going in there, the projection is probably at least, at least another half a million. Like, not even at least. Like, at least is an understatement. There's definitely being so conservative. Much. But let's just think about this. And there's another component to this. So these two deals raised the net worth of both of you by a total of a million dollars, right? But we haven't even counted for the fact, what is this going to turn into down the road? Right. So, and we haven't talked about tax benefits and everything else. It's just, um, it's just really mind blowing. So again, this is the difference between like being an agent investor and being like some person that just buys off the MLS. Cause had you bought off the MLS, you would have paid full market value. You'd have no built up equity in these properties, no assignment or wholesale fees. And again, whether you buy on the MLS or you don't, you're going to get the other benefits of the, you know, appreciation over time, the the cash flow and et cetera. But if you're buying at a discount, your cash flow is going to be bigger. If you're buying at a discount, the other huge thing that this thing does is like in two years, if Tyler goes, you know what, I want to pull equity out of this property in Lynn and use it as a down payment for another property. It just cascades. And the same thing, Jay, you already did this. You took a single family to a nine family to 16 units. And did you say you already have plans to turning into more units or are you just thinking about it? We have plans. Um, so this particular portfolio had two smaller pieces to it. So we're already out there right now working and we're planning on dispositioning those pretty soon. And we have a special type of a loan where we can sell off pieces of this portfolio and there's different equity on each of them. So we're going to be able to take the first one, probably turn that into about another six units. And then the other one, based on the cost basis, we'll turn that into maybe another three. And then, um, and then the other two six units, we can turn that probably into 16 units. Mm. Yeah, and it's just like the multiplier effect. And, and, and in your case, again, it started with one unit. In, in Tyler's case, you know, it's, it's starting with this three family. Um, well, I mean, he's got the other rentals too, but um, it's just crazy. It really is crazy. And, and it's it makes it extra, you know, not random, but just, you know, impressive that you guys both work together. You put the deal together. You're creating a win-win for, for both of you. And um you know, I, and I'm sure you're both thinking about what your next deals are going to be. So um, it's just phenomenal. Like the amount of, you know, net worth that can kind of be gained through this stuff. Like, how do you, how do you increase your net worth a million dollars? It's just an agent. I mean, you sell million dollar houses. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot more. It's basically, it's possible, but it's a lot more bandwidth and time and active, active time that it would take 
this is just a shortcut. And it's really doing a lot of the same activities that if you did that. So it, it just, it makes so much sense. And it's just changing the mindset just a little bit. It's not even that far off from what an agent does every day. And if they were only an agent. Yeah. And this is also, you know, just a testament to like, you know, off-market selling and off-market deals. And um, no matter how much time I spend calling the multiple listing service, the multiple losing service, I get at least one message or email a day for somebody trying to tell me about a great deal on the MLS. And people get mad at me because as soon as I look it up, because I get mad. When somebody sends me a deal on the MLS, and, and they, they, they never tell me it's on the MLS, they send it to me. They're like, hey, look at this deal. And I Google it. And I'm like, as soon as I see it's on the MLS, I literally get angry. And then I write back to them. I'm like, I never buy anything on the MLS. And then they try to sell me on how good of a deal it is. And I'm like, nope, never. And I'll probably lose a couple deals here and there because of that mentality. But like, I won't even entertain it because it's like a needle in a haystack compared to this stuff. Now, there's one other big thing that we talked about before you guys came on that's really important. Tyler, you made a bunch of money on this Haverhill deal. You had mentioned earlier that you think that this is this lead was in other people's databases. So why did you think that? And you know, how did you get the deal when somebody else didn't? Well, it wasn't some it wasn't Jason's. I know that probably it wasn't yours. And there was another agent in the company, which is weird because it's like not many people outside of Cameron that are doing this, I guess. But there was three agents in the company that had some sort of connection with this guy. And I will say, who's he's in the other room, but David Tran, who I were in Miami with, um, he's the one who made the initial call. So David is a is a young agent. He's right there. Oh, hold on. For those of you who are listening, who would want because because David's what? Is he 20 or 21? David's 20 years old. All right. So he made this call. Do me a favor. If you want to hear, if you want us to bring David on for five minutes and just talk about like he was the one who initially made the call. All right. So Mr. David Tran, welcome to Agent Investor. So we're going to restate this. How old are you? 20. All right, 20 years old. So I, I'm sure that there are people listening to this that are going to say, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too this, I'm too that. I'm sorry, but if a 20-year-old can put a deal like this together, um, I don't know what other kind of excuse somebody can come up with. So you were the initial caller, right, that, that actually reached out to this lead? So did Tyler tell you to call the person? Like, how did that part, like, happen? Not exactly. So he was a lead in my CRM um, and I just cold call. I just, I just kind of dial. And then I initially called him about his single family home mm -hmm. and then he was up, oh, not interested. And I just kept following up with them, just kind of checking in everything. And then timing is everything uh, because I think after like the third call, one of his six families burnt down, not all the way, but it basically one of the units, just huge fire. Um, and then he started considering about selling that one. So I tried to set the appointment. I wasn't able to, he was kind of a hard guy to get in touch with, but I was consistent enough where I was able to set an appointment at that property. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there because yep. again, this is, this is another huge thing, right? Like 
I, again, I don't know how Tyler knows if this was or wasn't in my database. Jason, you verified it was in your database, right? In April 2nd, 2021. Okay. Here's the thing, right? Like everybody talks about the, this is true regardless of what leads you're working, but everyone says, oh, there's so much competition, this, that. But a lot of times we don't even call the leads the amount of times that we need to. So how many times do you think you call this person to get the original appointment? Like four to six. Okay. And I want to stop you there because I'm in a, I'm in a group nationwide with some of the top investors in the country. We pay to be in the group. And this is the difference that like, if you're newer to the business or you don't have a huge marketing budget, what you'll have over somebody like me is time. So I can almost guarantee if that was in my database, I probably made one or two calls. Jay, do you know how many calls you made? One, two, three, four, five, six. So, so you may, and this is the funny thing, you made enough calls, but it didn't result in whatever it resulted in. And the, and the, the crazy part about it is if David didn't make that many calls, who knows what would have happened? Like, we don't know the, out, the you know, there's so many different outcomes here. Yeah. So um, we finally set the appointment, we get there and then he talks about, so this guy owns a bunch of properties. Um, he actually owns like half the street. So Tyler and I, Tyler was with me. We found that out. But at that point, he wasn't really committing to selling anything yet. Um, so I kept following up about Pillings, uh, about a specific street. Mm-hmm. And he started mentioning some other properties in his portfolio that he was considering selling. And then I had to just kept on calling to get those appointments. And then after a while, those appointments were set. We got uh, an opportunity to take a look at those properties. And then a few calls later, we meet at his house and then we, we close. So again, you, when you originally went out to that first appointment, you knew he had other properties, but he was only considering selling one or he had already agreed that he might sell more. No. So he was considering selling it, but he wasn't, he wasn't really on board with anything yet. At this point, I was just, I just wanted to meet this person because I knew that there was a potential. Um, so I was all for it. Okay. And did you go on the original appointment? Did Tyler go with you? Like how did that work? Yeah. The first one, Tyler was with me. And then who got assigned? I think we both did. Right. Yeah. We both did. It took a couple of tries though. Um, we initially signed up um, two, six families, and then that didn't end up going through. And then he just added more properties to it. So it's not a bad thing, I guess. Yeah. So a couple of things here. First of all, you're 20, right? Yeah. Um, we've talked before, like, I know you want to invest. And and this is the other thing, you know, Jay did a, a post about this earlier today. Well, he commented on one of my posts about just getting around other people that are kind of doing this stuff. And I said this to you, I've said this to you, David, a few times. I'm like, and we, we talked about another one of your friends who wants to invest too, but he's not in the inner circle. He's not joining the company. And it's just like, how can you, you couldn't have ever gotten that experience on your own. You know, no, you obviously like, it's huge that you did a lot of the legwork, but how do you, how do you get these experiences without being around other people that are kind of doing it? And how much is that worth? Right. And it, it kills me because obviously we recruit agents and, you know, we have a lot of agents who um, are good fits for our company. They want to learn how to invest in real estate, but then they they kind of trip up over the pennies of like what brokerage they're at. Right. And again, we just talked about a deal that increased, you helped to increase the net worth of two people 
buy a million dollars. But what's going to happen at some point is that's going to be you, right? And I know you have aspirations to to do that. And you'll end up doing it because you've seen it, right? I mean, like, before you did this deal, like, did you think a deal like this could could happen or no? No. So the reason why I was so, like, persistent is because I actually listened to, like, a Bigger Pockets podcast about a younger guy doing seller financing. Mm -hmm. And this is when I just got completely crazy about seller financing because I, I didn't even know that was a thing being able yeah. to negotiate absolutely everything in terms of price uh payments all that stuff um and i knew he didn't have a mortgage so i i was hungry after him that's it um you just hungry i was like i wanted to do my first seller financing deal and then he didn't he didn't commit he didn't want to do it and then yeah. that's why i brought tyler along None of us are really that special, but what we do is we get together, we show up and I mean, anyone could do this. It's just the mindset. Yeah. Like, but that's it, why it, I think, I think the mindset part is it's so important to be around other people that are doing it. Absolutely. Cause literally like David, you could read on bigger pockets. Everything sounds good on bigger pockets. Everything in my podcast sounds good. Everything, every book sounds good. There's a huge difference between reading. It's like reading about how to ride a bike. Okay, yeah, you could read about how to ride a bike, but then you get on the bike. What happens? You fall off. It's right. the same thing, right? But if you're not doing the deal yourself, you can be a part of doing the deal by being around other people that are doing this stuff. Um, and again, like the, the age thing is just, you know, you're, you're in a position. I mean, t- the, the crazy thing about <laughs> having both of you on is Tyler's 26. So let's not sleep on the fact that Tyler is really freaking young, but he looks like an old man compared to you. (laughs) (laughs) So there there's, you know, again, for anybody at any age, it's like, you can be a part of doing these things. And, you know, every single person on this call, actually, David, uh, Jay, Tyler, you guys were all a part, a large part of other people's investing deals before you started like ramping up on your own. And if I could say one thing on top of what David said, so this seller, when we met with him, so the only, I'm, I'm not going to say the only reason, but a huge portion on why he went with us when he was in other people's CRMs, I think he was in Jason's because he, to get in Jason's CRM with a mailer, he has to reach out. So the seller reached out to him. Yeah. He saw himself, his, this guy has a, a, a lot of properties and he was very old. And his kids didn't want the properties. They wanted nothing to do with it. He saw himself through us because we were young. Yep. So he almost, his whole life, he wanted to build his portfolio and pass it down to his kids. It just so happens when he went to go pass it down, the kids don't want it. That was another big reason why we were able to close it was because I kept, and we kept laying on the fact that like, we knew his kids didn't want it and we were young and we want to do exactly what he's done. Yeah. He, he appreciated that and he loved it. And it's almost like we made a friend more than a sale on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like and that's, and that's just like another kind of common theme about like how to get some of these, you know, deals closed that again, could be a whole nother session in, in and yeah. of itself. Um, well, awesome. We did have one other question that came in. Somebody said, sorry, if you covered this, um, join late. Why not a fan of the MLS? So it's really pretty simple. 
really, really simple. These guys increased their net worth, you know, a million dollars through these deals. Tyler, what do you think would have happened if those units were on the MLS? Well, you had a six family on the MLS. <laughs> but, well, what do you think would have happened? Do you think you would have gotten it for the same price and would have been able to? No, it would have. It would have got a lot of attention. It would have put a lot of opinions in the seller's head, and I would have never been able to get it for the price I needed to. Yeah, would have I mean, gone it, retail price. You wouldn't it, have been. You wouldn't have been able to wholesale. That's there another was, thing. Yeah, it, it, would, it wouldn't. This wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it's, it's as simple as it wouldn't have happened, and that's a fact. Um, I mean, the best way to kind of think about it, I, I, you know, created this analogy like years ago, but it's like if you're trying to, you know, fish, if you're trying to go fish and catch a fish, right? The MLS, you've got a hundred other people trying to catch one fish in a pond. There's one fish in the pond. You got a hundred other people trying to catch it. What are your odds you're going to catch the fish if a hundred people are trying to catch the same fish? That's the MLS. Off market is you're in a pond, there's 10 fish, and there's maybe one or two people fishing in it, right? I mean, so it's just that, like, I mean, I get into, like, disagreements with people on the MLS all the time because somebody somewhere at some day will tell me about this great deal they got on the MLS. And I go, maybe, maybe you did. And, and I'm not saying that you can't. The degree of difficulty is a thousand times harder to the point where, like I said earlier, when somebody sends me a deal on the MLS, I'm, I just, I get mad because it's a waste of my time because I'll have to look at 10,000 deals on the MLS to get one deal versus like 10 deals off market to get one deal. Um, you know, to me, it's like, you've got to figure out a way to create a funnel of getting appointments off market. And we talked about mailing, you know, mailing's one way to do it. You can do so many different things though, door knocking, cold calling, texting, agent referrals, like the list goes on and on. And we have um, a lot of sessions where we talk about how to get off market deals. And then um, somebody else, somebody else asked about probate. Do you get deals on probate? Everybody has different strategies. Like, um, do either of you guys target probates? Absolutely. And we get deals on probate. We get deals from all different sources. And they oftentimes end with D. But the really important thing to, to understand here is within this deal, everyone, everyone is happy. Yes. They, I mean, they love us. Like, and you would say, I used to be in another business where people would come in and get the best deals in the world and other people would pay all the money and those people were the happiest. And I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't, it's, all, it's not always about money for everyone. So on the seller side, I think they were both really happy. We made friends. We still, we still talk. I mean, they still call us and we were all friends before this. And I think it's so much more fun to do deals with your friends. I mean, yeah. make money and doing deals and doing business great you gotta that's you know part of life but when you can do it with your friends and everyone can be happy and hopefully uh tyler when you get back at some point we can get together and celebrate and i mean i'm no, just uh, tyler by the time tyler i'm gets celebrating back, now yeah <laughs> i know, I know but, but you know but by the time he gets back he's gonna be miserable again so oh no <laughs> here we go he's gonna he's gonna find something else to complain about <laughs> so on to the next one, but I mean, this one was one for the books and it, you know, it's just amazing what you can do with the power of proximity. 
And I mean, Tom, honestly, thank you. Can't thank you enough for putting this all together. Cause I know, like, I know, like, this isn't something that everyone would, would have wanted to do originally when you went out to do this. And I think you're the one that pushed and persisted to grow this, this brokerage. But, but here's the thing, right? Let me just give you another example. And this is the part where like, you know, people worry about their competition and yeah, maybe in this example, like maybe one of those deals could have been mine, right? Maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. So I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting in, in the office yesterday and, um, you know, Jay walks by me, I'm in the conference room and I've got a guy, you know, cause, cause my, my number one focus right now for my investing is building apartment buildings. And in order to do that, I need to raise capital. So I've had to switch gears a little bit going into, you know, capital raising mode. So I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the office and, um, Jay walks by and I'm in the office with one of his friends, one of his clients, actually somebody he's related to you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And I did, so, and I did some good, great business with him and I helped him expand his portfolio from one, three family in, um, in Boston to a portfolio out down in Fall River where he's made a massive equity shift, you know? And then because of that, he has money. He doesn't, he has to invest. Yeah. So, so we leave that meeting, me and, you know, somebody that is a part of, you know, Jay's family uh, through marriage and, you know, he's cutting me a check to invest in one of my apartment deals. So it, it really, you know, you, you can say again, maybe I would have had one of those other deals, but then I wouldn't have had that, you know? So it, it's like, I think I really do think it all kind of works together. And, and I know like on a case by case situation, you know, maybe, maybe I lose here or there, maybe, but then I win more in other areas and the net is winning, you know, the net is winning. And like you said, <clears throat> you know, I know you guys know I'm not like a big fun person, but it is more fun for me to, to build a business with people that I like and to do deals with people that I like. It is more fun. This is my fun. You know, this is my like going out on a Friday night type of thing because I just love doing this stuff. So, you know, if I can, if I can work with people and do deals with them and I've done, you know, so many different deals with so many different people. And even, you know, you know, Jay, you're invested in, in one of the apartments, like Mike's yep. invested in one of the apartments, like, so it all, it all, it all kind of works together. And, you know, I'm not keeping score on who's ahead or who's behind, but, um, you know, it's, it's all worked out for me and I really can't kind of complain about, about too much. So. The right people together. And it's just, it's just been really, uh, uh, because by the way, I've been in this business for like, 20 something years. And I, I was doing it all wrong. I was doing well, don't get me wrong, but until we really partnered up and got together, things really just were rocket went on rocket fire. But that's also not to mention, like I'm in several mastermind groups. You're in a mastermind group. We go out, like you, you fly out, you know, you network with top investors. I do the same thing. When we find something that, that works, we bring it back into the company. You know, we talk about it, you know, and, and I'm always looking for, for better ways to do things. And when I find a better way to do something, I want to share it, not necessarily, honestly, to help people, but because I'm excited about it. Like, it's just on my mind. It's like, oh, shoot, I found a better way to 
generate a lead or follow up with a lead, or this is the system I'm using. And I, I just like talking about it because again, it's it's like, you know, my version of like playing a video game. That's what it feels like. It's like the adult version of playing a video game and you're always trying to build and build and, you know, at some point you, you, you're, you're in a good spot, but all right, guys. Well, I think we, we kind of, um, we answered all the questions that came in. We did a good job, I think, of highlighting the deal. Um, I want to thank you guys for jumping on. I know you're busy. Um, I mean, Tyler's in Miami, so he's kind of not busy. And David just made his first uh, official appearance on social media. So we're doing pretty good. But um, hopefully we'll have another one of these. We'll see what happens. See if you guys can work together again. It's, an, it's inevitable, right? It's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. It, it's yeah. a matter of time. We, we'll have to bring you guys back on. Maybe it'll be David selling something to Tyler. That would be. That would be <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> All right, not, guys. Not, even, not necessarily just us, but like other people that are associated within the brokerage. There's gonna be there's gonna be some huge stories, and we're just get, we're just getting started, you know. And that's that, that's the fun thing about it. Yeah, it, it's gonna be a good. Like I'm looking at it like this. I'm 40 now, and. The agent investor thing, like we've always been doing it, but I'm scaling that now. So there's going to be a multiplier effect on the number of stories we have. And it's not even just going to be local stories. It's going to, there are people, I'm looking through the names of the people who are commenting. They're from all over the country. So there's going to be stories all over the country from this stuff. Um, make sure, like if you guys don't come, make sure if you have the opportunity to come to our events in person, even if you're flying out, we had a bunch of people fly in the last time. Make the commitment. I mean, it's two days. We always do two days. Um, I know getting on a plane isn't necessarily fun, especially coming to Boston. If you're coming from a warm area, isn't fun. But you'll you'll leave with more than you came in. And if for whatever reason you can't jump, you know, if you can't get to one of the events, the easiest way to shortcut all this is to inquire about being an inner circle member. And you can do that by jumping on a call with me directly. All that you have to do is go to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com and just sign up and we can chat. I try to make them kind of like strategy sessions when somebody jumps on an inner circle call, meaning like we basically have a, con a free, you know, consultative conversation. And then if you're interested in joining, you join. If not, that's okay. But that's like the easiest shortcut is just to get in the inner circle and there's plenty of benefits and stuff like that that I'm not going to mention because that's not what this is about today. But if you if if you heard these stories today and you want to have one of your own stories, easiest way to do it, like Jay said, is just proximity, www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com, and we'll talk more. So, but I want to thank these two guys for jumping on. We we kept everyone's attention. I mean, we had 30 plus people on the whole time. And obviously, we're going to have a lot more listeners once the podcast, uh, you know, gets promoted. So thank you again, guys, for hopping on. Appreciate it. Have a good one. See you soon. Right. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group 
at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.